We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. I'm Kel Dansby. And it's The Heel, Andreas Hill. And we are back today. We're Skyping in this because we're busy. We're two busy guys. This is what happens sometimes. Every now and then, we can't make it to the fight shop, and this is one of those weeks. We don't get an off week often. You know, Andreas probably spending it with the fam, doing right, his, uh, his writing things, writing for like eight different sites. I'm here. Summertime is always hectic for me. Uh, my kids are here chilling for the next week. So, I had to take them around. I had to show them a good time before they go home. So, we couldn't get to the fight shop. But remember, if you're in Las Vegas, check out the Las Vegas fight shop in the Planet Hollywood Hotel and Casino. All your gear looking fly. They got the new Nakamura shirt. Yeah, all- you got you to mention all the Roots of Fight shirts, too, because those, those joints, I, they take all my goddamn money. <laughs> Make sure you go there. Make sure you check it out every time you come to Vegas. But now it's time for our show, and we got a lot to talk about. A lot of stuff happened last week in combat sports, and Andreas was blowing up our group chat about goddamn and Kel moments. It's been so long. Yeah, you you was on one. It's been a minute. You you decided to make your return um, in our little group chat, so now we get to talk about it on the show. So yep. I don't mean, call it a comeback. Yeah, right. Yeah, just kind of give them a, give everybody a brief rundown because it's a lot to talk about today, and there's going to be some people that's going to be like, "Yo, all this wrestling," but yeah, you got to hold on. We got boxing, we got MMA, so just tell them what we got up for today. Definitely, we're going to recap. Yes, some wrestling. We got WWE Battleground. We have the first shows after the brand brand split with Raw and SmackDown, and we also have New Japan, which we're talking about. And it looks like we're getting more people into New Japan from listening to the show, so that's dope. But in the boxing world, we got to recap Crawford versus Postal. What does this mean for Crawford going forward? 
We're going to talk Santa Cruz versus Frampton, which is coming up this weekend from New York. That's going to be a great fight no one's really even talking about. Uh, right. We're also going to touch on Amir Khan. He had some words that uh, kind of, I don't know, take it seriously or not. We have to ask your opinion on that. And then we have Mark Hunt calling out Brock Lesnar and the UFC. We have Holly Holm taking a second loss. And we got a preview UFC 201 that's coming up this weekend. So tons of stuff. Buckle up. It's going to be a crazy show. And we're going to dive right into it. Except first, I got to get a sidetrack. Because, yo, have you seen what Joe Budden has been doing? You know we love talking hip-hop beef. But this is past hip-hop beef now, right? Well, this is chastising. I mean... I, you know what? I don't necessarily have a problem with him going at Drake the way that he's been going at Drake. Um, it's funny that Drake's not responding, and, and, I, and I completely understand why. I think I mentioned it before. When you're this popular, you just kind of don't respond to people who are you, you deem as beneath you. But that whole the, the Drake fans and him chasing them down the street, like, yo, there's just so much with this button beef. I just want Drake to respond. I think I'm going to write something about this because I, it, in the spirit of hip-hop, Drake should respond. Like, Joe Bunnan is really poking the bear here. And not necessarily, maybe a cub, maybe a cute little teddy bear. I don't know. (laughs) But I I would like to see a rap battle. These two know each other. They have history. You know, Drake was a fan of Joe. And now Joe is just destroying him with song after song. And, and, you know, some people are calling him irrelevant. I don't know, man. I I just want to see some good old hip-hop battles. That's all I want to see. Well, he's relevant. I'm not sure if he's relevant for being a rapper. And that's something we'll touch on here in a second because I got another question. But with Drake, it's kind of like, yo, you've responded. He's acknowledged him on the French track, which started all of this. And then he's acknowledged him on stage just three days ago during a concert saying, oh, I should bring Joe Budden out to perform Pump It Up. Like, we didn't hear you on the diss song saying he's one of the greatest ever. Like, you know he has more than Pump It Up. Like, you probably listen to all the mood musics. Don't get brand new now for the fans. So it's funny, like, just put it on wax. You've acknowledged the man. You acknowledge that he exists. It's time to put something down. You know, put the pen to pad, put it in your Blackberry with the side scroll, whatever you need to do. Before you had the Ghost Riders, whatever you used to do back then, it's time to get back to work and really sharpen those skills. Because I'm done with Controller Drake. Talking about dropping a mixtape. I don't want more Jamaican reggae mixtape. Rap or don't, don't even talk. Yeah, see, here's my problem with, with cats like Drake, and it, it stems from the Jay-Z subliminals. Um, Jay-Z, when he didn't go at Cam and Jim Jones, like, when you know, he did with, like, Brooklyn Hot, but when he didn't, when he kind of ignored them and, like, sent subliminals, like, Drake took a note out of that book and is going that route. So but he'll he ignored dro- so much before then. Like, that's being selective watching Jay-Z, because Jay-Z responded to a relative nobody outside of New York at the time in 50 Cent. Yeah, I mean, but I'm saying, like, Drake is taking the page of subliminal. So he'll drop, like, I guarantee you the next few Drake songs that come out are going to have real subliminal, like, deep subliminal joints that maybe Joe Budden's the only person that'll get it and a few people that are around him. And I just want him to do what he did to Meek Mill. And and therein lies my problem. When you're at the level of Drake and you take on an easy target like Meek Mill and you got somebody who can rap, like Joe Budden, you're not saying anything. Um, you know, you were charged up then. What's taking so long now? Like, you need to step it up. And people are going to say, you know, you should ignore him. But like I said, this is, the sp- like, this is the corner. Like, this is the spirit of hip-hop. You need to get out there and you need to battle. Like, this is what it's supposed to be all about. You can sing all you want, but you already planted your flag with Meek Mill, so you can't back down with Joe Budden because you're scared or you think you're going to get slaughtered. 
you got to get up, step up and do it. Yeah, he set the precedent now that he will battle rap, and then now it's just like, ah, uh, maybe not with this guy. Right. It's like, come on, man. You what? You're you went after Meek Mill because you guys both smashed the same girl. Well, so did you and Joe Budden. Like, you have the exact same ammunition against Joey. Why aren't you saying anything? Yeah, it's silly, man. I, I like I hope Drake does something because that French Montana shit was charm and soft. I, I didn't want that was kind of like super weak. And Joe, people are like, oh, well, Joe's desperate. No, nah, I mean, I, I can understand Joe's frustration here because when Drake says something to Joe, what is Joe not supposed to say something? And, he, and he's the type of dude that's just going to keep going at you until you say something. And, and the fact of the matter is, is th- these tracks that he's dropping are not whack. It's like they're filled with ammunition. So it's like, I, you know, I don't like hip hop being a popularity contest. I like the the best MCs to be the best MCs, and and I like I was really frustrated when people picked LL Cool J over Cannabis, yeah, <laughs> because I thought Cannabis murdered him in Second Round Knockout. I never thought Four Three Two One was a better diss song than Second Round Knockout. Like that was ridiculous, but it's a popularity contest, Correct. and as as long as it continues to be that way, we're not going to get to see you know cats like Drake step up and battle true MCs like Joe Budden. He'll pick at like Meek Mill and. And whoever the hell else is whack out there that you can take advantage of. See, and that's a damn shame. And you, people call Button irrelevant all they want. The guy gets more listens every week than 90% of hip-hop artists out there. It, to just be honest, I mean, he has a podcast that does, what, 300,000 listens a week? Okay, so he's not a relevant rapper, but he's not irrelevant as a person. So if you want to talk about ears and listening and... People hearing his voice and his opinions, okay, they don't get it off of iTunes but as far as the charting or billboards, but he gets more listeners than most people in hip-hop. Podcasts are real. So he's more relevant than Meek Mill, than shit J. Cole. He has more weekly listeners listening to his opinions than all of those rappers, and that's why Drake acknowledges him. Not off of the lyrics in these diss songs, off of, yo, I'm not feeling you on my podcast. That's why Meek Mill got upset, because he was talking about him and um, him and Nicki on the podcast. So they can ignore diss tracks all they want. They can't ignore the podcast, because that's straight to the people. And that gets more traction now than, I mean, almost every artist outside of Nicki and Drake and Kanye. Outside of that, no one's dropping anything that even, you, you, you're on two dope boys, that moves the needle as much as what Joe Budden said in a podcast. Yeah, I mean, Joe, Joe Budden has, he gets traction. I wouldn't say he's, you know, more relevant than J. Cole. All J. Cole's got to do is drop a song, and that, that pushes everything aside. But uh, Just terms, on a week-by-week basis. Well, yeah, it's, in terms of somebody who has been consistently around, um, Joe Budden is, is, is relevant. You know, I don't, I don't know if the, the, ca- the super casual hip-hop fan knows who Joe Budden is, but People in hip hop know who Joe Budden is, so for him to be ignored or him to take, you know, for Drake to take light jabs at him is it's kind of ridiculous. And you know, we'll we'll see. You know, you never know. Drake might come out firing on all cylinders. You maybe he's plotting. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a pass for maybe like another <laughs> seven to ten days, but he's got to do something. Yo, I'm, if he doesn't do it at OVO Fest and just throw him on a screen, like like in a two two, just go full Jay Z, then he loses. That's yeah. it. He better just be gearing up. It's he got a week, right? To OVO yep. Fest. Yep. It better be there and he better put him on the screen. We'll Joe see. has a lot of embarrassing pictures. He better show Joe kneeling on one knee with Tahiri and then one week before with the little SpongeBob shit. And then he better put him and Tahiri swimming with dolphins. Like just embarrass him on the screen. There's plenty of shit you can do. 
Yeah, he's. I mean, he's got to do it. So we'll see. We can revisit this after OVO because if he doesn't do it, he's a sucker. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about what we came to talk about, man. Wrestling's first. If you guys don't watch wrestling, what the hell are you waiting for? Get into it. Uh, just enjoy the talk, though. Boxing, MMA coming up after this. We got to start with WWE Battleground because I feel like it's the, the kicking off point for everything else that happened this week. Right. Um, yeah, my, my two cents is I don't want to spend it because there's so much that happened. Like Battleground, I, I forgot it was Sunday. Um, I wasn't a, like people were like loving Battleground. I wasn't a huge fan of Battleground. Like I, I, I thought the Sami Zayn Kevin Owens match was phenomenal. And it was the best match that they've had in WWE. However, the, trip, the Shield triple threat match, not that it was a bad match, but for a match of that caliber to be on Battleground with so little build, it was kind of underwhelming. Well, that was kind of Roman's fault, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of Roman's fault. It's kind of the positioning because with the, like, it's, it's kind of a B-side pay-per-view. There's a lot of things working against it, and I felt like they rushed it when they could have used this for a pay-per-view. But it also kind of says... Even before Roman was actually suspended, they've lost faith in Roman Reigns, which we'll talk about later. But it, overall, I mean, seeing Bailey come out, all right, look, the fact that she's still on NXT, I didn't, you know, I didn't even think of that contingency plan where she just showed up for one night to help Sasha. That was great. And Sasha is, and we'll, we'll also talk about this on Raw, the way she expresses her true emotion is really, really endearing. Like, I've never seen a wrestler that you can connect with because you really feel her struggle to get to where she is. And when she was genuinely happy to see Bailey come out, like that was a moment. And I was like, yo, this is, this is really dope. It puts the, him in a horrible spot though. Cause the best Sasha was heel shot Sasha. Yeah. 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 We could definitely NXT, touch on that. You know, she, she took off not when she was a face, but when she was a heel and this makes it very difficult to have that turn again. Well, you know, in, in the case of most wrestlers, like when you go heel and turn back face, it, it can work. Like The Rock, for instance. The Rock was terrible as a face. He had to go heel to bring those heel tendencies to his face character. Same with Stone Cold. Um, Sasha, I feel like in the same vein as she could still be the arrogant boss, but she's going to have those moments where she's truly emotional. So that was really great to see her and Bailey in that tag match. Um, but then it was just some really bad shit. Like... The Intercontinental title match, I don't know what the fuck they that was. They didn't make Darren Young great again? They didn't, is that what you're saying? They, they didn't make that match great again. That was so weird. The Maurice falling down thing again. Bob Backlund, I don't know if he was hulking up. I, no, I don't know. he barely, he halfway took his shirt off and then noticed, like, yo, I can't get the rest. And he just right. let it rock. It's like trapped in the suspenders. Like, he looked like a fool. And then you had, like, the, the Rusev-Zack Ryder match was completely pointless. That was a squash and, match. That's what it was. Yeah, essentially. But then, like, the, the Wyatt Family New Day match was like, eh, like, all right. It was like a blow-off to a feud, and Xavier got pinned. I was like, whatever. All right, keep Bray strong? I don't know. And then, like, the six-man tag with Cena and a Cena and Enzo and Cass versus AJ and, and uh, the club – while I thought it wasn't a bad match, it was really awkward. There were a lot of like really slow spots where it seemed like they were waiting to do something. And it was and, short. Yeah, it was weird. It was like a weird book match. So overall, I was like, whatever. It was a decent pay-per-view. Dean Ambrose won, like I, I predicted, because they need to give SmackDown some realistry. And God knows they need it after the way this week played out. But, you know, he's the champ. Got over it. Pinned Roman clean. Eh, it, it was what it was. What are your thoughts? No, I mean, I, to me, I thought it was good. But probably because my expectation level was so low. So it exceeded my expectations. And this is where we differ on a lot of pay-per-views. I'll watch them live and get caught up kind of in the, in the madness 
so it makes it feel a little bit better. You usually watch stuff after the fact or later that night or, you know, go back and you really just, you're in your zone, you avoid spoilers, you get that honest opinion. To me, I, you know, I kind of get caught in the hype. I got to watch it again later in the week and I'm like, oh, okay, I cool on some matches. Some matches are better than others. Uh, Zane Owens sticks out. I think it was the longest match on the card. That was great. Now I'm wondering, like, is that it? The, obviously, we'll talk about Raw coming up, but this week's Raw didn't put in place any storylines. You know, they focused on one, and the same thing for SmackDown. Um, so I don't know where those two go. Like, do they run it back at SummerSlam? Is it a one-off until later next year? It, it was such a good match that it shouldn't be the end. And, and I'm not sure, if, you know, these two will ever end their feud. But I, I don't want to break yet. If I need a great match at SummerSlam. And these guys and their chemistry, I really want them to bring it again. Uh, outside of that, everything else, uh, Wyatt's New Day was okay. Uh, I, I liked the segment a lot with Randy Orton. Did you? Yo, him just, one, him bringing up Brock is amazing. Well, yeah, that was good. That slick line was just bananas. I was like, oh, I was like, yo, that's real. Um, Randy, it's kind of like the Cena effect. It's like, damn, yo, he's really been gone for that long. And it's cool to see him back. You know, his character's great. I still like him on the mic, more so than a lot of other people. And I want to see him go back to that, like, legend killer Randy Orton. Like, before he left, for some reason, he kind of had, like, this weird over-the-top face run where he was too nice. I want to see the the Viper. I want to see him be arrogant and an asshole and just be cocky. And Brock brings that out of him. And I like this side of Randy Orton. Yeah, um, I guess we can go in the raw right after this. But my my one note on Randy Orton is I have never liked Randy Orton as a babyface. Something about it is extremely corny. I agree. And he like him pandering to the fans. Like I need him to be a tweener. Like I need him to be the legend killer. I need him to do the punt. I need him to snap. I need him to do those things. Like when he's like going to the crowd, I'm like, Randy, I don't need to see that. Like you against Brock. Like you need to be at your most vicious. Like, I like the arrogant attitude. I kind of, there were segments of the interview that I did like, but I just don't like him completely playing babyface. Like, that's frustrating because that's really, that's like Stone Cold completely playing babyface. It just doesn't work. You still got to have some heel tendencies. And I need to see those a little bit more. But other than that, like, it's good to see him back. And he, they, they need him on SmackDown. Terribly. Still don't know uh, how he works against Brock, though. I have no idea. Maybe I, I don't think they put Orton over on, on Lesnar in any scenario. But, you know, we, we'll see what happens. Maybe there'll be some kind of surprise. Brock so, will be on Raw next week. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, with or without Paul Heyman is the question. Is the contract done? That's, a, that's another thing. Heyman's that's what contract I'm saying. is up. Um, that's what I'm saying. I Nobody wish we can. had, you know, Marcus Vanderberg <laughs> on the show. Uh, you know, all you Yahoo people should have the inside track on this. I, I don't know what goes on. Does Lesnar speak? He's going to get booed. Um, maybe, maybe. Wrestling does, fans don't give a shit. Does like, he, <laughs> he's still Brock. I mean, shit, though. Does he uh, acknowledge the test? Does he acknowledge UFC at all? Does he claim a victory at UFC 200? Does he talk is the question. If Paul's not there, does he even speak? Or does he come just out come, and just stare at somebody? <laughs> yeah, like come out and like annihilate somebody. Who knows? You know, it, it's Brock. Brock. Less is more with Brock in terms of words. So it's like... It is I like better. when Brock talks, by the way. Like, at UFC 200 week, I had a ball with him talking. Yeah, well, that was good. He's funny as hell. Like, I, I like when Brock talks. That's true. So let's get into Raw, because we got so much ground to cover in the next hour. Um, so, this might have been the best Raw that I've seen... Years. 
maybe since the CM Punk, uh, the, the Summer of Punk run in the WWE. Yeah. Um, like, well, shit. I mean, Cena's run last summer was pretty cool, but that was just, I was just tuning in for, you know, Cena's open challenges, and I was like, oh, I could really lose the rest of this shit. Um, no, but yeah, I, I agree. More wrestling, less promos. I mean, That's the first thing I saw, like, it was three hours, what, two, ten of it was all wrestling. It, I mean, it was legit, it was paced properly. Like, it was the first time I didn't feel like this show was three hours. Like, it didn't drag. Um, we got new elements with the new logo, the new intro, is shitty music, but whatever. The new stage, like, we got the new camera angles, we got interviews. Um, I want to talk about one thing first, and then we'll go through the rest of the show. The squash match with Braun Strowman and whoever that guy was that he killed yeah. was perfect Amazing. like it was pitch perfect because the dude looked frightened he was like i didn't know i was wrestling braun Strowman. guy like we need those kind of matches that's like, how you do squash matches because yep. they interview the guy first and get you drawn into him and yeah. you're just like oh man like okay he's nervous it's his debut he doesn't even get a name or a placard and they're like what do you think is gonna happen he's like oh i'm just ready to fight like he's so happy to be there and then he gets crushed that's that's how you do a squash match. Definitely. All right. So so let's talk about it because Raw was huge. Um, we had two fatal four way matches to determine who's gonna well who's gonna fight for the number one contender at the end of the show. The and only they, promo of the night, right? When they come out and we see the GM and Stephanie. So we see mm-hmm. Foley and Stephanie in the ring. They bring out all the wrestlers, which was a little awkward. Um, bring out everyone, announce the six participants, or the, what, the eight participants in the match. Right. Finn goes last, flips up his collar like Fonzie, you know, spotlight on him, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, oh, shit. Okay, Finn's getting a nice little acknowledgement. And yeah, like you said, right into the four-way matches. Right, so what was our first four-way match? Um, Finn, that was it? Yeah. Rusev, um, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. No. Was it? No. Who I can't remember who's it. I forgot who the fourth was, but it was a big brute. Type. Was it Cesaro? Oh, Cesaro, yes. So that was that the best match, one, by the way. It was a great match. And the fact that Finn won, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I was like, I guess they're gonna push him. But I I, I couldn't then I was confused. I was like, well, how far does he go? Cause I'm surprised he, they had Rusev take the pin. Like you have someone who has a legit title <laughs> take the pin to a guy who's been here for five minutes? Yo, this week was not good for the IC and the U.S. titles. <laughs> Rusev took the pin, the Miz got RKO'd on SmackDown. Just not a good look for the champions because they didn't mean shit. At but all. Balor won, and we'll just fast forward straight to the other Fatal 4-Way, where Roman Reigns won, which was like no surprise to anybody, right? But I was thinking, I was like, well, damn. Guess we're going to see Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins at SummerSlam. Same thing I thought. What was that? Listen, we fast forward all the way to the end of this shit. Yep. Roman actually put on a good match. And as soon as he did that, I, I'm sure I tweeted it as well. But I put it in our group chat. I was like, anyone who says Roman Reigns can't wrestle anymore is just jaded. Because he can put on a good match now when need be. I remember when he couldn't wrestle for five minutes by himself. Like before that big show run, it was like, yo, it's just painful. The guy can't put together a six-minute match. Now he can, you know, hit his spots, give the other person some offense. His pacing is still a little off. It depends on who he's wrestling. Like, Styles paced it well. Um, I think Balor pacing could have been better. But outside of that, you know, it tells a little bit of story. He came out dominant. Balor's letting him throw him around. It was a good match. 
Yeah, it was it was a good match. It, 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 we accepted the fact that they established very early that Finn Balor was small, like in the underdog, because Finn Balor looks tiny compared oh, to. Oh, they didn't hide it. He looks tiny no. compared to everyone. Yeah, he's like a midget. He looks like a cruiserweight. But they established that very well, and the match was well done. And then there was there was, there was like, like a, some hope spots. There was a great coup de gras to the back of Roman's head that got the near fall. As the match dragged on, I was like, are they going to let Finn Balor win? And now, before we, before we get to the actual finish with Finn Balor actually winning, this show was this good, and we got no Seth Rollins. I can't wait to see him next week, <laughs> which is crazy. I but, wonder who he wrestles. I don't know. Maybe just talk shit about Finn. Who knows? But dude, Finn Balor just went over on Roman Reigns, and I like I watched it the morning after, so clean. I stayed off of social. Clean, clean as a sheet, and <laughs> and with the coup de gras, the pin, like the comeback at the end, great storytelling. Finn Balor's your number one contender. Raw feels like it's something fresh and new. To me, it was like, man, Raw reminds me of what oh six oh seven SmackDown. Yeah, well, I mean, we're talking. Yeah, you're talking about the era where Paul Heyman was writing. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yo, it's just all wrestling. Yep. I was like, so what is SmackDown supposed to do now? Like that—that that was their catch. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, we're gonna Daniel Bryan. We're bringing the wrestling back to wrestling. It's like, well, shit. All the good wrestlers, not all of them, but like, yo, they got great wrestlers on Raw, and they're not going to have them talk all the time. Yep. It's like, yo, they're actually gonna let them wrestle. Oh, this is mind blowing. Yeah, we, so we, we got that. Good. The Cruiserweights. We'll talk about in a second, but they should be rolling in soon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was the Neville debut. That was, that was, there were two things I didn't like about this show. The Neville debut, the return, my bad. The Neville yeah. return, because it wasn't hyped up. It just kind of happened. And, like, he had, like, no momentum going to that match with Curtis Axel. Like, they could have done something a little bit more special with Neville's return. Didn't care for that. The other thing I didn't care for too much was Nia Jax going back to the leg drop. As the finish. I don't like that. Me either. I was like, where's the powerbomb? That's the first thing I said. Like, that's what sets her apart. In uh, her last match against Bailey, she hit Bailey with the jackhammer. Like, she was Goldberg. And she held her up. I was like, oh, shit. This is what she needs. I was like, if you want to differentiate her, she can do legit male power moves. Right. The leg drop is stupid. Yeah, the, the leg drop's the worst move she has. Like, don't bring her back there. So maybe they're just evolving the character again. And hopefully, you know, they make it so it's faster, a faster yeah. evolution. And then she can challenge the likes of Sasha and Charlotte and all these women. Oh, oh, oh. There was one other thing I hated. The Pokemon Go with the Golden Troop. That was like I, stupid. I fast forwarded through the Golden Troop. <laughs> oh, my God. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, that, that was so bad. I, I skipped them every time out. Uh, what else did we have? Sasha Banks versus Charlotte. Okay, that was another match where I was like, all right, they're doing this now? Hmm. Well, I thought they were setting up SummerSlam. Right. Wrong. And wrong. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, Sasha Banks, you know, throwing the title over and faking like she was hit with it. Eddie so that, Guerrero. T- yeah, t- so that Dana gets thrown out. It's just amazing. I, this had some great moments. A lot of near falls and uh, reversals of the submissions, landing the bank statement a couple times. Like, it's crazy. I mean, dude, there was a there was a spot that I know everybody watched when Sasha Banks went for that suicide dive through the middle rope Thought and she damn near, yeah, damn near Scorpion and killed herself. I I had to watch it like three times. I was like, she's going to die. Yeah, I couldn't look away, but I didn't want to see it. Between her and Biggie Spear, 
Like, those are like things that I'm just like, I cringe when I watch them doing because I'm like, you're really trying to shorten your career. Like, I love you, but chill out. Like, yeah, they got to eliminate those. Like, they're cool spots every now and then, and I could go without them. Yeah, I mean, big, in Big E's case, you're not even getting a pinfall. Like, you're not doing anything with that spear. It just kind of looks cool until you land on the back of your head, which you did at Battleground. Yeah. They need to chill out with that. But as the match kind of went on, I, was, I started thinking, is Sasha going to win this match? Because it's still going. They got 15 minutes. To put on, like, and then Charlotte on top of that looked great. Uh, there was a moonsault spot that she kind of missed, but she landed on her feet. I'm like, holy shit, this woman just landed on her feet, flipping off of the top rope to the outside of the ring. There was, the, towards the end, the final stretch with the, the figure eight and the slaps, and when Charlotte got up, it's like, you're never going to beat me, and the look on her face, I was like, she's got it. She's figured it out. Like, she, she didn't have it at first, but now she's just... She's got it. She knows how to where to make her expression. She understands pacing. Charlotte's so much better. And Sasha's the champ, dude. She's finally, finally, they let Bay shine. That's all I've been wanting. Let Bay shine. How hard <laughs> is that? She's good. She's a crier. She cried. Um, it, it was a good. I think her and Charlotte have had better matches. Yeah. Um, but it was still good. And the moonsault, like you said, with Charlotte, her athleticism is crazy. The height she gets on that Man. is insane. So, And they did it to the short corner. Because when she did a WrestleMania, like you do it towards the ramp so you have more you know, space to land. She did it to the short corner this time. I was like, yo, does she know she's like six foot, six one? What if her feet get caught? It was crazy. Um, they, they left it all out there. Great showcase for women's wrestling. Yeah, I mean, tell me that you didn't get a little emotional seeing Sasha with that title. Like, you were like, yo, all this work as she finally did. Like, you, I, I felt that woman's emotion. I was like, yo, as much as she's worked and she's finally won on Raw, it was a big moment. Like, people were waiting for the big moment at SummerSlam. I'm cool with this happening on Raw because it establishes that they're truly pushing the envelope for a new era. Whether it lasts after SummerSlam is, is up to anybody's guess. But as of right now, I'm happy with the direction of Raw. Yeah, I mean, that's perfectly fine. Hopefully, you know, Vince doesn't go too much damn wrestling and throws in some, you know, crazy characters or gives the Golden Truth a 20-minute spot just to talk. Um, We we get enough talking. Enzo and Cass bring the talking. Every entrance for them is like 15 minutes long. (laughs) It is. So we're good on that. Uh, So that's pretty much Raw. SmackDown followed the next night, SmackDown Live. We finally get to see the live product. And they open up kind of trying to tease the new SmackDown 6 uh, with this six-man match for what is their title. Oh, hold on. Wait. We skipped Raw where (laughs) they're bringing the Universal title? Hey. Yo, how do you feel about that? Okay. It makes me think of the Universal Circus. That's the first thing I thought. When the name kind of (laughs) sucks for, like, two reasons. Like, one... Kind of. Because it's like, I get what they're trying. They're trying to pander to the WWE universe. But when you call your title the WWE, like, universal title, it's like, it's bigger than the world title, which is on SmackDown. So it's like another effort in one-upping SmackDown. It really did. It, like, like inadvertently, but you do because it's like, all right, now that like, SmackDown needs to name their title, like, the Galaxy, the inter, Interstellar title or some shit. It's just getting out of control. Um... But yeah, the WWE Universe title, I mean, I, I don't know, whatever. The Universal title. Jesus. That is how I'll say it every single time. Ugh. I promise you. Uh, <laughs> so SmackDown for the heavyweight title. And 
okay, Ambrose is coming out there. He gets way more screen time than Rollins got the night before. The roster isn't as deep. Oh, man. As soon as I saw everybody on the can, on, on, in the ring, around the ring, I was like, holy shit. They are thin. Like, <laughs> super thin. Like, and as soon as they announced a six-pack challenge, I'm sitting there going, well, who the fuck is going to be in this match? Like, I, you picked out Cena and, and Styles immediately, but then you were like, well, they can't win because they're wrestling at SummerSlam. So then it was Bray Wyatt, Dolph Ziggler, um, Baron Corbin. Which immediately tells you that it's super thin. And then we have it, an awful battle royal. I hate battle in. royals. <laughs> I just hate them with a passion. Like, it was so bad. And we're just getting them all the time now. And I'm oh. like, yo, like, you couldn't give us two four-way matches? Like, we just saw it work. Or two triple threats. Something. Uh, they, uh, they're too thin. They don't have anybody. With the same guys. Just give us two triple threats. Uh, I hate you. And then a, a main event, just bite off a Raw. They try to go completely different. Oh, it, it failed miserably, but Apollo Crews wins, and for a second, I'm like, okay, is Apollo going to get the same push as Finn? No. no. Hell <laughs> Absolutely. no. Absolutely no. not. How dare, no. how dare I think Vince gives a big black man the same push? No. Smiling, like, I? like I said, if, you smile, if you're a black wrestler, you smile a lot, and that's your doom. You either smile or you're extraordinarily mean. Now, in the New Day, they're the only people that the smiling work, worked against them and then turned them to the, the characters that they are today. But Cruz has to go heel. It's just, he, it will, he'll never make it as the character that he is right now. But, yeah, he won the match. He, and it was kind of lame. Like, he just, like, came and ran out of the ring. Basically, I hate that spot. Like, you pull on the ropes, and I'm like, I'm so stupid, I'm just going to fall over the top rope. Whatever. Um, and the guy's strong enough and powerful enough to actually legitimately let him throw someone over the damn top rope. Right. Oh, man, Cesaro that was... status. Like, just let him do a crazy suplex over the top rope. Now, I want to say this. If Raw didn't happen, Smack, I would have been fine with SmackDown. But Raw happened. And I expected, I was like, man, that puts a, the bar set really high for SmackDown. And SmackDown, it wasn't a bad show. But it was just, it paled in comparison to Raw. It and wasn't all... a good show. And with two hours, it should be a good show. And you're right, but it's a, the deficiencies on that roster just really stood out. Um, before we get to that main event, let's, let's talk about what else happened. So Becky and Natalia wrestled for, for no reason, really. It's kind of to blow off their feud because there's no title. And then all these women come out. And then Eva Marie comes out with the most epic entrance. Yo, <laughs> and, who is that guy? Like a random guy gets on the mic. Yeah. And like, I was just like, what? Who the hell is this? I was, yo, then, I was like, okay. The, the entrance is so epic, and the heat that Eva Marie draws just because she's hot and she can't wrestle. She looked is, amazing, too. Right, but the heat that she draws because of those two elements, is it's phenomenal. And, like, unfortunately, she can't wrestle worth the shit. Yo, if they make a title for the women's on that brand, she has to be champion. No. She has to be, because she is captivating and you play up the fact that she can't wrestle. I want her to say every week that I am the champion and I don't need to learn how to wrestle. Ugh, I would hate to, I don't want to see that. See, and, and my problem with that is because I, want, I wanted SmackDown to be the wrestling brand. Even when we winning the championship would just kind of ruin everything. But it's probably going to go that way. So, but my thing is, I, like, I prefer to see Eva Marie in, like, never wrestle. Like, I prefer her to tease that she's going to wrestle. And then, like, get other people to wrestle for her or be a manipulator or, like, a, man, or like a Bobby the Brain Heenan type person because she can't wrestle. At all. But she, she just draws tremendous – like, she'll be in tag matches and tag herself out. I prefer that. I don't want to see this woman in the ring. But the presentation is 
Good Lord. Like, they put a lot of stock into Eva Marie. Now, granted, I don't know what they're doing with the women's division because what are they wrestling for? Good question. I mean, I'm okay with, like I said, if you have a pay-per-view strictly dedicated for the crossover and belts. So whether it's Survivor Series, maybe Survivor Series becomes you, I guess, rejuvenate that by having, you know, teams from SmackDown versus Raw go against each other. So four here, four there. And you had that crossover. And then for the belts, a number one contender spot on the opposite television program to determine who's going to fight the champion from Raw. So exactly like Rusev would be fighting the number one contender from SmackDown for that title. And the Miz, vice versa. And the heavyweight championships, you go with the normal program. Yeah, I mean, well, or you I, could I, finish it off with just you know a champion versus champion match or something. I don't know. Well, I kind of like the idea. It's just that the, the roster is so thin. Like, when you saw Charlotte and Sasha wrestle on Raw, and then you got Natalia and Becky, like, it was drastically, like, it was obviously two different levels of wrestling. Like, Natalia and Becky were serviceable. Natalia's not really a good heel, by the way. No, and Becky's great, though. I, I'd go, I'd Be- watch Becky versus Sasha at Survivor Series, you know, yeah. try to steal the belt. For the other side, and maybe but, have Charlotte run in, and you set up a, a triple threat for WrestleMania, or you throw Bailey in at that point and go for the four way at WrestleMania. It's just, it's just like I don't think they're gonna do the right things with the right women. Like, you know, I'm a big Naomi person. I think Naomi's great. I think she has. I think she looks great. She's I saw a, your tweet. Yeah, like just put put the title on that woman because she, she's athletic. She does things that other women clearly can't do, and. She's got she's got charisma and she doesn't botch a lot. Like she's a good wrestler. She got um, there five years too early or three years too early. Yeah, like she's like yeah, Funkadactyls. But she's she's perfect for for to be a top women's contender. Like to be in the mix with Becky. Like I love to see Naomi and Becky in like great fifteen minute one on one matches. God, I don't know if we're gonna get them. Um, Alexa Bliss, Carmella, it's like they're not ready. So there's going to be some really awkward matches on SmackDown. Meanwhile, Raw, it's really you, you got Charlotte and you got Sasha, and then it's like nobody else when you really think about it. Well, um, they have Nia. Well, when Nia's ready, she's still super green. So they got some time to work on her and to build her. Uh, but they're going to have to figure this out. And then, you know who wasn't drafted? With Emma. Where's Emma? We need Emma. I love Evil Emma. Well, you can't get drafted when you're hurt. Ah, whatever. So but, they just throw her on the program. I guess. But, you know, when she comes back, it'll be great. But women's division is really weird. What else was there on SmackDown before we get to that title match? Uh, the return of Shelton Benjamin, which I'm looking forward to. Yep. Shelton Benjamin, which should be cool. Uh, we'll see where they fit in. The return of Rhino. Return of Rhino was... I, okay. This is not really a return because we just saw him, like, last week on NXT. Taking the L. Right. So, for him, like... I don't know if the WWE was paying attention, but Heath Slater actually has fans. Like, there were people cheering for Heath Slater. And he cut a pretty good promo. So when Rhino gores him, I was like, eh, that was kind of unnecessary. That, like, it would have been better if there was somebody that we, you know, hadn't, like, if American Alpha or somebody like that. Rhino was like, dude, we just saw you. It's not like Shane's like, he's the hottest free agent. Bullshit, Shane. We just saw him. And he just lost to Small Joe. He's not the <laughs> highest free agent. So, I mean, that- are all these... Now we know they're bringing in retread wrestlers, you know, signing some people who were here before. Are all these guys just coming into job? That that's my question in my head. It's like, okay, are they coming in just to elevate the NXT talent 
or the you know the lesser talent on the roster? No, I think actually Shelton Benjamin is probably going to get a legit run um, at something. Probably the IC title. Like Shelton Benjamin is too good. Uh, you know, like he could eventually. I don't know. There's some interesting feuds that he can be involved in, but they need more people like that. Rhino, I'm not really sure where he fits in. Like Benjamin, I can see him going against Corbin. I I mean, I can see Shelton and AJ Styles having a a ridiculously good match. Um, But again, it's just the the fact of the matter is like the roster is so thin. And then like the tag teams, American Alphas debuting next week, which the crowd kind of was shitty about because they wanted to see them now. But um, dude, you have two heel tag teams. Febreze and the Vaud villains. What? Like, who is American Alpha going to feud with? You're going to have to turn the Usos heel. And even then, it's like they're old. I'm tired of seeing them. Oh, Usos took the loss at Battleground, which is horrible. So I didn't Febreze. even watch it. Yeah, I didn't watch it. But, but. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's rough. I mean, SmackDown, they're going to have to have their first hand pick of anyone coming up from NXT. I mean. Like, you don't come from NXT to Raw. No, no. You come from NXT to SmackDown, and then next year when it's draft time, then we can mix it up again. They, they, I mean, they got a tall order ahead of them. The way that Raw just established itself, because now they have, you know, they have Brock Lesnar versus Randy Orton. So it's, it's Brock on, on Raw, Randy Orton on SmackDown. But Brock is clearly the bigger star. Seth Rollins and Finn Balor is going to be your main event. Like, there's no doubt about that. Um, and SmackDown has Cena and AJ, which could steal the show. And then, let's go to the, the, the six-pack challenge. Dolph Ziggler gets the win. <laughs> oh, buddy. Dolph Ziggler. Um, I, like I said, he's not a bad wrestler. He's a very good wrestler. Very good. I don't see him as a world champion. Yes, I know he's been a world champion before. I wasn't a fan of it then. Um, to me, the show-off is, is a good IC title type of guy. He's a good mid-carder. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying he's, you know, should be jobbing out to people, which they've made him do the past year. So this might be a, hey, thanks for re-signing with us, Dolph, because we did you shitty for the past year. But to me, he's going to job out at the highest level now. He's always been a guy who's going to give you a great match. He's, he puts on a good match. He put on a decent match against Baron Corbin. Like, the guy can wrestle. He's going to make Dean Ambrose, even with the limited skill set or move set, Look great in a match. It's a guy who you can elevate, and he's great accessory talent. But do I think he's going to win the belt? No. Do I think he's going to be the face of SmackDown? No. They're just throwing him a bone. So, well, like, no. uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to make him champ. Um, I mean, there's a lot of work. I mean, they, they could, but it, the only way that this could work is if Dolph Ziggler gets an image overhaul and turns heel. Um, because what's worked with it for him as a babyface for the past year that has endeared him to fans and is not really giving him a good push. He needs to be different. Like something different has to happen with Zolf because the in-ring work is there and he cuts a good promo on top of that. But it, it's, it's an image thing. You know, it's like when they were trying like the mascara with like, the, like there were just no. things that, they, that weren't working. Like they need to figure this out. And when he was heel Ziggler and like, like his Twitter, but as a heel, he was, he was a lot better. Even when, when he beat Alberto Del Rio the night after WrestleMania, the crowd popped because people just love his work in the ring. He's kind of like Seth Rollins in that sense. But he needs an image overhaul. In this feud, in this feud with Ambrose, he's going to have to be edgy. He's going to have to be different. See, he'd be a great candidate for like another person to bring into the Bullet Club. Like if they if they do the Bullet Club kind of like it was done overseas and ROH does, um, where you know you just keep recruiting members, like like a new one every four months. 
Ziggler fits that mold. Where if he goes heel, he can be a good bullet club, leather jacket type heel. Him and AJ, you know, two titles running around. It, it'd be a good look. Yeah, I don't know if I'm to touch that one. That's but I mean, <laughs> I they're not going to do it. But yeah, I, he's like that type of person where I would like him more. Kind of like Kenny Omega. Mm. Like Omega is like, okay, he played that that mid-Carter bullet club heel guy. And then everyone left and it's like, okay, you're good enough. Now you're the top dog. Yeah. All right. So we, yeah, we but spent Ziggler, a lot. Of- yeah, shit. Ziggler's going and he's getting a title match and it's going to be like the second match on the card at SummerSlam. True. So uh, we'll, we'll see how they play this whole thing out. So let's, before we talk about, um, well, shit, we still got some more wrestling. We got um, more wrestling. We got to take a break though. Yeah, let's take a quick break. Because we need help from our fans. Listen to commercial. Help us out. Stay through the break. We're going to talk a little bit more wrestling and then get into the boxing and UFC before we wrap it up. So stay tuned. What up, everybody? This is Kel Dansby, one half of the Corner Podcast, and I'm here to tell you to check out the Las Vegas Fight Shop at the Planet Hollywood Hotel and Casino right here in Las Vegas. Check it out. Whether you're here for a fight, for wrestling, for gambling, maybe you just want to hit the clubs like Floyd Mayweather. I don't know. Whatever your thing is, make sure you take a stop at the Las Vegas Fight Shop. They got everything. You need a gi for training? They got it. Need boxing gloves? They have it here. Just want some dope wrestling merch? They got it here. Check out my shirt collection. This is where I shop. Remember, the Las Vegas Fight Shop at the Planet Hollywood Hotel and Casino. Next time you're in Vegas, check it out. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We still have more wrestling to talk about. That's how crazy this week is. And we said it We said it last week, man. We don't know how we're going to sleep. There's so much wrestling. Now yeah. we got to talk about G1. G1 Climax. I don't know if people are watching the, the, the big New Japan tournament, round-robin tournament that happens every year. But uh, um, I'm about five days in. I haven't watched day six yet. Um, I'm, I'm pleased, and Kel's not. So I am, I'm not going to tell you what happens on day six. Um... Because I'm only two matches deep, but I'm two very important matches deep into day six. But I need you to explain to me Japanese book it. Because this is what really popped off the goddamn Mikel portion of last week. Is when I, spoiler alerted, the group chat, you know what? They got to catch up. But if you're listening to this and you haven't watched yet, another spoiler alert is coming. Tanahashi, who's probably, what, two maybe three in that company. He's coming off an injury. He rushed back to wrestle in the Climax tournament and loses three in a row. I have no clue how this is good booking. You think it's good booking. Please explain this to me. All right. So I'm going to explain this to you. The the, the G1 Climax tournament is not a tournament where you come in and you just win every match. Tanahashi's hurt, and they're going to play up the fact that he's been hurt. On top of that, he used to be the ace of the company, which is the numero uno. Now, for the past two years, he's made it to the G1 Climax final. Finally, and every year that we've talked about this, they talked about, is Tanahashi too old? Is he slowing down? Now he's slowing down. He's losing three in a row because he's hitting that stretch where he might be too old. This doesn't necessarily put him out of the tournament because in round-robin format, you can win your next four matches or three matches and still make it to the finals depending on how every, everything else plays out. Now, if you look at the rest of the tournament, there have been a ton of upsets. Naito lost. Hanma's won two in a row. Nagata's won two in a row. Ishii's, you know, winning. Like, there are a lot of things that are going on. Like, Okada losing to uh, Sonoma was, was great. But 
the thing with Tanahashi is like they are really playing up the fact that he's old. Like he's over the hill and he can't compete anymore at the top level. So him losing three in a row is excellent booking because people have been looking at him to win every match because he is their John Cena. So if John Cena were to lose three matches in a row in the WWE, it leads to an intriguing story. I understand, so, but the people he's losing to on his side this is, is, G1. is you kind of ridiculous. Like, it, he lost to Tomatonga. Like, come on now. <laughs> like, at least let him lose to the top people. He's on the A block, I think. Yeah, In but you got to like come on. But look at look at the A block. Like if you're going to create a comeback story, you got to lose matches. That like, means he has to win against legit ass people in A block. Exactly. And lose but, to the guys you thought would never beat him. But the thing about Tanahashi and the thing about New Japan booking is they book for the long term. They're not short-sighted with their booking. This could lead to something way down the line for for Wrestle Kingdom or the next couple of pay-per-views. But they have to set it up. And Tanahashi losing to Tanatanga is a shocker. Like, they're upsets. Like, Hanuma used to be the biggest underdog. And then he came out winning his first two matches. So they're establishing a precedent, especially with the New Japan shakeup of the past year with them losing everybody. They're moving people around. And you've got, like, people wanted to see Shibata in that number one spot. But Shibata took a loss. And it's like, and now you don't know who's going to win because there's no real clear favorite. The underdogs are leading the standings, so it makes for a more intriguing finish to the tournament. Like, if Tanahashi came out winning his first three matches, you'd be like, yeah, he's going to win the tournament. I'm not intrigued anymore. But if he has to come from behind and you got an underdog sitting up on top, you're curious, can he do it? But again, it plays in that story. Like, he's old. He's their ace. He, he's done it for so long. You know, he did get hurt, wasn't able to compete with Kenny Omega, but does he have anything left in the tank? And that's where the story's going to end up going. You know, he may end up in that feud with Kenny Omega. Like, he's not going to win this tournament. I it's don't not mind that. It's just the people he was losing to. It's just like, who, what? And then now he has to make one hell of a run. Who did he lose to? He lost to Tamatanga, which, yeah, people are going to be like, well, damn, that's a big upset. Yep. Who else did he lose to? Uh, now, now I got to pull it up. I will look it up right now. But I know, like, the first one, I was shocked by damn near all of them. And one was a really good match. Um, I'll look up the results now. But I, I was just surprised the entire way to just see how he was booked. I have and, no... And now he will, like like you said, everyone goes through and they get a run. Um, it's just against who? Oh, Omega gave Hanma his loss, by the way, which is a good look. Yeah. For Omega. But it's like you just you look at how this thing is being set up, and again, it's it's just you got. Um, he still has to beat Okada, by the way, if he hopes to. Right, make and it that's through. always and they they always have a great match. Like you got Tenzin, who Tenzin is old as shit, super and, old, leading and, or second. Right, but him and Yoshihatsu have had this like this this thing where they're helping each other, and, it, and it's like this this other story. Like Tanahashi lost to Sonata in the first round. I'll just tell you, and Sonata was a guy who came in to join with uh, Naito and Evil and Bushi to to form that stable, yeah. and Sonata beat Okada, you know, before, but Sonata beat Tanahashi, and that wasn't like a big surprise. Son- Sonata's really got it. And- he lost to Marafuji too, I think. And Marafuji's the NOAA champion. So it's like there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you, I can't, I have no problem. Like, and, for, and for the record, like if you've never watched Marafuji wrestle, in NOAA he's good, but he's like Randy Orton. Like when he doesn't have like a great competitor, he kind of sleepwalks through his matches. He's looked excellent in, the, in this G1 uh, matches. His match with Okada was phenomenal. Oh, it was dope. 
it, it, it's he stepped up his level. I was like, yeah. okay. I mean, that hook kick that he throws, and then like the fact that he lost to Bad Luck Fale was was great because Fale is a huge dude. Like you just you just can't just run over and hook kick that guy and beat him. Like he got beat. <laughs> so I like like for those who enjoy wrestling, you should watch the tournament. It's just it's really good wrestling. Everything will make sense towards the end because they don't they're not gonna give anybody a run. This is a tournament where anybody can lose. Like yeah. the Gato Ishii match was ridiculous. You know, it's me, strong style. I like that shit. Ishii, but, like one I've never taken a chop in my life from that guy. Nah. Like I watched that match. Like he left welts on yeah. his chest. I was like, yo, strong t- style to the max. Yeah, chops, definitely. headbutts. It's, it's he's gonna need he needs to get his brain scanned after this. Yeah, he like, definitely does. If like there's some, anyone, like this guy needs it. Some of those bumps were insane. So that's, I mean, that's it with G1. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it more next week. Um, let's briefly go over CWC and the NXT. Um, uh, CB, CWC, what, best WWE program on television right now? Yes, this is, this is a brilliant thing. I still don't understand why the Cruiserweights are on Raw and not on SmackDown, but whatever. SmackDown needs it, too. Like, Raw, exactly. can you just wake up and be like, have Shane just come out and say, we're taking them and snatch them over? Build it into the plot. Even if it wasn't the original thought process, because it's needed. Yeah, so CWC, um, yeah, we'll talk about Zach Sabre Jr. last. We'll save him for last. Yep. Uh, but uh, Tony Nese won. Um, <laughs> that kid, Anthony Bennett, the little 145-pound black dude with the high top, yo, he looked so out of his element. <laughs> he just looked like he was in another planet, and he got wrecked. But... um. You know those three turn the three tournament matches were good. Uh, we get we're setting up some some great second round matches. Oh, the second um, round ones. That's see, it's different. At first, I wanted the round robin feel of a G one climax, but now it's like I, I kind of like the single elimination. Yeah, because whoever wins, you know, they I mean, they've already started signing these guys. and They're going to appear on Raw, so you know they're going to continue this thing on Raw, and maybe and I'm. I have a feeling that Neville's going to be the first cruiserweight champ that's going to defend against whoever wins the CWC. Could be wrong, but I think that's the route they're going to go because they need Neville to do something. Um, so let's talk about the opening match. It's Zack Sabre Jr. Everybody, there's a lot of people that love Zack Sabre Jr. You just don't seem like you're the biggest fan. I, I have a similar take as I do for Dolph Ziggler, in which he is a great wrestler, great technical wrestler, I do not see him as a top-of-the-roster guy. Now, do I see him possibly being IC champ, United States champ? Possibly. Do I think he'll go further than that? No. It's not a knock to him. Some people don't go higher than that. Mr. Perfect never went higher than that. He's still an amazing wrestler. And I don't dislike technical wrestlers. I'm not a you know super fan of the flippy shit, as you would say. Like, you do. No, you don't, you don't, I just you like, like well-rounded wrestlers. Like Benoit, super like technical. Steve. I like, like it. Steve he did Regal, other shit. Though. I you didn't like, like Steven Regal. In WCW in his heyday, like no. Regal was a phenomenal wrestler. I like Benoit. I liked Jericho. Guys who were technical could do other shit. I wasn't a huge fan of Dean Malenko. What? Like, yeah, I know Blasphemous. I don't care. <laughs> God. I did like the Cloverleaf, but the I wasn't a fan of people who were overly technical and left it at that. And that's what I see in Zack Sabre Jr. You know what? I, Add some flippy shit. Chris Benoit had a diving headbutt. It gave a change up to his style, dude. Like, and I've like, seen Zack Saber Jr. live in my face in a great match. Like Zack Saber Jr. has had some, like he brings something completely different to that tournament. While everybody else is jumping and flying around, like this dude does catch wrestling and submission wrestling, like nobody else has ever done. His escapes, his holes, like he's a different 
kind of wrestler. There's a reason why he's, he got the PWG title. He won Bola last year. There's a reason why like, he's so big in the Euro scene. Like, because nobody's really like him. And because, like, yeah, you can call it, but name another wrestler who wrestles like, name another person who does the holes that Zack Sabre Jr. does. Um, well, the match I saw, which was crazy, and I don't think we'll see it out of this guy again, it was a perfect matchup, was him versus uh, Matthew Riddle. Yeah, but I mean, and Riddle, like they just mimicked it, and he he can go in the catch wrestling. It was kind of more like a shoot type of feel, because you know Riddle coming from the UFC, he can do all those holds, he can do transitions, they could roll around. It was great. That was a, it was a dope match. But you know what? Throw some flippy shit in for the long run. I'm cool with that every now and then, not every damn time. I don't want to see you reverse an arm drag and end up in like a crazy fucking submission hold. Dude, I love, like, Dean Malenko was the base of the cruiserweight division in WCW because he was the man of a thousand holes. Like, while everybody else, like, Rey Mysterio and Psychosis, and like, while they were all flying around, like, Malenko was just catching them and, and just choking them out, submitting them, putting them in a, a ton of different moves. You got to have a guy that's your base because everybody can't fly all the time because then the shit all looks the same. Zack Sabre Jr. looks like nobody in this tournament. Like, he's completely different. Like, even Kota Ibushi, as great as Ibushi is, you can find somebody who's like Ibushi, like Hideo Itami. Like, you can find people like that. In which I think Ibushi now passes Hideo Itami. Well, probably. But Zack Sabre Jr., he just gives you a completely different element that's unique and fun and it's eye-opening. People that have never seen Zack Sabre Jr. go, what is that? Like, what is he doing? And, and like, he bends fingers. He manipulates limbs. Like... He's like a jujitsu wrestler. Like we don't we don't see guys like that. That I don't you know I don't ever go in thinking anybody's going to be the champion because AJ Styles may never be the champion, which would totally suck. Yeah. But I, I don't really think like that. Like I just think that this dude could be super over. Um, no, I know. agree. I agree. I, I think to me, once again, he's not a bad wrestler. He's a good wrestler, really good wrestler. It's just when I say I don't think he's going to be world champion, people are like ah, oh. like no, okay. Some people just don't have that in him. He's not diverse enough for that. It's not a knock on him. He's great at what he does. Uh, people complain, you know, until the dying day about Cesaro. Someone probably said the same thing about Cesaro five years ago. And that's what the WWE sees. And they're just like, why shouldn't he should be a heavyweight champion? Look how strong he is, pound for pound. And they're like, yeah, he's missing something. But he can hold this United States title. It's okay. He could be a great wrestler and be stuck on a mid card. I think he's stuck on a mid-card. Like, the reason why I groan when you say that is, like, why do you immediately go to the heavyweight champion argument? Like, I don't, that's not what I'm even saying. I'm just thinking this guy could be in the business and make a difference. I think so. Yeah. Because that's like, like, Rick Rude never won the title, but he's always going to be my favorite, one of my favorite wrestlers. Like, I don't need everybody to be the heavyweight champ because that's reserved for few. Listen, I didn't like William Regal, but he played one hell of a role. I was, what, I was eight years old. I wasn't supposed to like William Regal. He did his job. There wasn't two William Regals. Looking right. back, he did amazing things. Yeah, and he, just he wasn't good enough. To, that's not even true. I think he pushed to the upper tier of the card several times. I so mean, he, he put he surpassed go, his his limits in most people's eyes. Before we move to NXT, just go back and watch the Re- William Regal Goldberg match, and you'll quickly find like find out in that match is the day that they learned that Goldberg was in over his head against good res- wrestlers because Regal stretched his ass out. Like <laughs> if you can find that match, go watch that match. I'm sure That's it's on the, the network. I'm gonna find that shit. Yeah, go watch that match, and it's the day that people realize like shit, Goldberg can't wrestle because <laughs> Regal just he fucked him up, and even though Regal took the fall. 
He's just a much better worker. And, and you, you got to see that. All right. So real quick, let's just move to NXT. Nothing too uneventful here. We just found out that we got Joe versus Nakamura and Bailey and Asuka at, at um, um, NXT TakeOver. Back which to Brooklyn. Means, Jesus Christ. This is going to be one hell of a week in the wrestling. And we got to watch 202 that week. Yeah. Listen, for everyone listening to this podcast, do not hit us up talking about Back to Brooklyn. We are going to watch it on Sunday before SummerSlam. We are on a freeze. Us, the reverse Rat Pack. Everyone will be in town for UFC 202 watching Conor McGregor. Do not blow it for us. <laughs> we, we love you as fans. You, you are people. Corner club all day. But don't blow it for us. I, I don't need to see 20 mentions talking about, oh my God, can you believe the belt change? No, come on, man. Wait until Sunday. My block button's gonna be in full effect. And I <laughs> just, never and I never use it. But just yo. wait until Sunday. Come on, I, I'm muting all that. You, you guys, are my people, just just know we're on a pause. Yep, definitely. All right, so let's let's talk boxing. Um, this weekend we saw Terence Crawford against Victor Posto, the number one and the number two 140 pound fighters in the world, and Victor Posto looked like a novice. As Terrence Crawford did the complete Mayweather job, dismantling him, disarming him, and dominating him on route to a 12-round unanimous decision. Holy shit. No, it was crazy. Um, it started off, and I was like, okay, Postal is going to be competitive. This is going to be one hell of a fight. And then, what, fourth round, it all changed. And Figured Crawford, yep, timed him. There was no adjustments by Postal after that. And Crawford made it look easy to the point of, got to the 11th, 12th rounds, he's clowning him. Deal. Deal. And in a world-class number one versus number two fight, he's dancing circles around this guy, tongue out, hands down. He's, he's, he's I mean, Bob Vian said it at the presser, and uh, he was sitting behind me. Um, and he said he's, he saw a lot of Floyd Mayweather and Terrence Crawford. And I knew exactly what he meant by saying that, because people were like, no, 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 they're not the same. They're not. They don't fight the same. Terrence Crawford's a lot more offensive. Floyd Mayweather's a lot more defensive. But they do one thing very similar and that is they take a round or two to figure you out and then take away your best weapons. And it's, it's, it's an uncanny ability, but Terrence Crawford's got it. Like he figured out Postal. He, knows he, he took away that jab. Like everybody talked about Victor Postal's jab. And the one thing Terrence said all week is like, I'll just show you I have a better jab than him. And he completely took that shit away. He completely took that shit away. Well, if you notice, he didn't switch stances like he did in other fights. Stuck with southpaw stance. You know, the, the range was there early. He worked the body great early in the fight, and he got Postal to the point of he was scared to throw the, the jab because it opened him up for that check hook, the check right. He, and like, it's completely, he was shook and stopped throwing the jab, which is his best weapon. Yeah, Terrence Crawford looked absolutely phenomenal. Now, the question is, um, and we won't spend too much time talking about this. You can give us your feedback on, on both of our social media feeds. How does Terrence Crawford become a superstar? Because... As good as he is, nobody watched that fight this weekend. Right? Just, he has to do it just like Floyd did. And I'm not talking about be a fake heel. I'm not talking about you got to go Mayweather out like that. But you have to move up and, and take on a lot bigger people. And that's what Floyd did. Floyd, in my opinion, could have been a 140-pound guy and no one would have ever, no one beat him already, but no one would have been close. He could have ran a division for his lifetime, but instead saw the money, saw the opportunities, end up fighting guys who fight 147, 154 on the regular and trusting his skills and saying, these are the money fights. I'm going against people much bigger than me to the point of I don't even cut weight anymore. I'm damn near walking off the street and into the ring. 
to fight these bigger guys and still dominating. Crawford's going to have to do that. Crawford's going to have to fight the Amir Khan at 147. He's going to have to fight, if it comes down to it, if you want that huge money, a Canelo Alvarez at 154, 155. And, oh. and just trust yourself to box circles around these guys, like Floyd did. Or get, he's never going to be big enough to get people to drop to 152, which was Floyd's you know, smart thing to do. That's how he beat the 154 people. But you got to trust your joint. Yo, 154? Come on, man. I got to do it. Got to move up and fight these much heavier, much stronger people. I don't think, I don't think that's the answer. I think with Terrence Crawford, the, the, I don't want him to take the Floyd Mayweather path. But Floyd Mayweather can create a character that made people hate him. And I don't want Terrence Crawford to do that. I don't want to change his personality. Just but, mimic but, the other shit. Big, big butt. He's got to talk. He's got he's to talk more. He's got to give better interviews. He's got to be, he's not media friendly. And, <laughs> and, and in this era, and because I don't, I don't use this as a detriment to him, because I think your skills should speak for themselves. The best fighters should be the best fighters. But in this era where people with no talent get over by just being loud mouths, and I'm not talking about just Adrian Broner. I was about to say, is that a shot at Broner? Yeah, kind of. But it's in general, like reality TV show stars, like, like certain art, like there's people that get over because they, every, their extracurricular supersedes what their talent is. In Terrence Crawford's case, I don't want him to be that guy. However, you got to be a little bit more media friendly. He doesn't talk. You're like, you have to be more visible. Now, I do agree that, you know, he's going to have to move up, but not necessarily for the same reasons that you're saying. He needs the dance partner to put him over, and that's Manny Pacquiao. Because every fighter needs that fight where the torch is being passed. And Terrence Crawford fighting Victor Postal is not going to do it. That's like Floyd Mayweather's Baldemir Arturo Gotti fights. It kind of sets the stage. But you you got to fight Manny Pacquiao. The problem is, I don't think Freddie Roach wants to put that make that fight happen. Nah, and to me, it's not a bad fight for Manny because even if he loses, I don't think he gets knocked out. That's not to say Crawford doesn't have crazy power because he he has good power. But moving up in weight, Manny's fought people with heavier hands. I don't think even if Manny loses, he gets knocked out. That's that's a good passing of the torch fight. And guess what? If you happen to win. Damn, you lost to Floyd and, and got knocked out on some fluke shit. That's pretty much it. I'm yeah. not even counting that Bradley decision anymore. Nobody counts. So, that. you know, you are the second best fighter of a generation if you beat this young kid who is the next guy. So it, it's a smart fight for Manny. It's the only way Manny sells. I'm not saying Crawford's a huge draw, but damn, Manny needs somebody. Well, well the problem is, is that, like, Roach doesn't... Between Manny's obligations in the Senate, training, the, you know, the, the fact that this fight would be right around the corner. I mean, we're, we're almost in August already. Um, they haven't even cemented the fight. I think Freddie Roach is being smart that he doesn't want to put his fighter in there with Terrence Crawford now. Um, for, the, for fight fans, that sucks because we want to see Manny Pacquiao versus Terrence Crawford next. But if I'm Freddie Roach and I know all the distractions, I don't know where Manny's heart is right now. I don't know how many people are pulling at him. I don't want him to fight Terrence Crawford now. Because he won't be as ready as I need him to be. So, uh, yeah. and, and, you know, and that's just from a trainer perspective. From a fan perspective, I want to see Manny and Crawford immediately. But that's but, why trainers don't book fights. Well, but what, what I'm saying is, you know it's going to be ultimately up to Manny. 
And then Freddie calls Manny, and you know him and Michael Conte have a conversation. It was like we don't necessarily, we shouldn't necessarily fight this guy because the last thing we need to do is lose <laughs> again. You know, like we don't need to do that right now. That, well, that's Aram's job, right? That's yeah. why he gets paid the big bucks because you got to sit Manny down and make him think that this is a fight he can win despite what his trainers say. You got to make him think this is a huge payday and one that he cannot pass up despite what his trainers say. Yeah, That's I mean, your job as a promoter. Sometimes you can't tell these guys the truth. Sometimes you just got to tell them, Manny, you're great. You got it. This, this young kid's coming for your spot, but you're not done yet, Manny. And then Manny gets in there and he gets to hurt. But sometimes you got to lie to these guys to make money. That is your job as a promoter. That's what Bob Arum should do. Because we've seen, if you put on compelling fights in a boxing world, people will watch. People are there for real fights, not BS fights. Yeah, we'll see if it happens. I mean, I'm still, you know, the perfect fight would have been Manny Pacquiao and Adrian Broner. That's, that's the, that would have been the perfect fight for the next fight because it's not something that you got to really train for. Adrian Broner's not that good, and it's a good versus evil fight where you probably win. But we'll see what happens. All right, All right so we don't uh, have a whole lot of time left. Let's, no, let's, Santa Cruz versus Frampton, quick prediction. Who do you have? I'm picking Leo Santa Cruz, the volume puncher. Frampton hasn't terribly impressed me in his last two fights. And I think, it, you know, there's a lot of countering opportunities that Leo gives you, but he doesn't let up. And I don't know if Carl Frampton can keep a guy like Leo Santa Cruz off of him for 12 rounds. I agree. I'm taking Santa Cruz. Like you said, the volume, the, the guy just has no off switch. Seen him fight several times in person. Uh, he, he's a fighter and a fighter at heart. And I think this leads him to another big fight after this. Great to see him headlining in Brooklyn. Usually I see him here on the West Coast, so they're trying to really stretch out that fan base, so it's great. Yeah, so let's move on to UFC. Uh, we got about, you know, about, well, let's stretch it about 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah, 10. Um, you know, a lot of stuff in UFC. We'll talk about Mark Hunt here in a quick second. What do you think of Amir Khan saying that he can train for a year, step into Octagon? I don't give a shit. Bye, Amir. I ain't trying to hear that shit. You are not <laughs> fighting MMA. Just come on. Like, you just want attention. Like, he wants to fight Connor. Shut up. He wants no, to fight Connor. No, thanks. Move next. I don't even want to hear that shit. Damn, just dismissed. Yep, dismissed Amir that quick. All right, yeah. Um, so let's talk Mark. Mark Hunt, man. He's not happy about Brock Lesnar. And really, Brock Lesnar failing the test. It looks like he failed it well in advance to pull the fight. Especially if you pull the John Jones fight, it looks like the first batch of tests should have came back, and then him also failing the second one during competition. It just looks really bad. Supposedly estrogen blockers. Mark Hunt wants half the paper. Brock probably cashed it already and buried it on his farm. I mean, did you listen to Mark Hunt on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawaii? I did. All right. So Mark Hunt has been in there with three people who have juiced or used banned substances. He's got a very legit gripe. Like, the fact that Nate Diaz has been fined for not missing a press conference, for missing a press conference. But John Jones and Brock Lesnar will not be fined by the UFC for taking PEDs. That's frustrating. The fact that Mark Hunt doesn't get a win bonus, because let's be honest, these MMA guys don't get paid a ton of money unless you're Brock Lesnar. The fact that he doesn't make any extra money because he loses a fight and he loses momentum, and and you find out this guy is juicing or whatever he's doing, estrogen blockers, cycling off of TRT therapy, whatever. He's, I mean, he's, he, Mark Hunt is right. There needs to be a fighter union. There's nothing to protect these fighters. The fact, like, Lesnar just made $2.5 million and he's out. And Mark Hunt's going to still, he's not broke, but come on, man. 
he ain't make what he should have made. And nah. you, you look at that and be like, man, I hit him with my best right hand. Why didn't he go down? You might have an answer for that now. Um, it, it, sucks. it really sucks to be Mark Hunt right now. And it just really is a testament that we definitely need a fighters union in MMA. Yeah, and I don't, once again, if the governing body wants to treat it like a legit sports organization, the fighters have to do so as well. They need to get out of the, this is taboo. They, they have a stripper's mindset. Like, they were taboo for so long and underground that they were independent contractors. We don't need a union. We're out here. Pay us whatever we want to be paid. It's time to step up to the big time. You can't wear your own clothes anymore. You can't get your own sponsors from, what, Thursday to Saturday. Can't do none of that shit. It's time to act like big boys and unionize. Yeah, and the company just got four, sold for $4 billion. Can we up the pay, please? Like, come on, man. And like, the top this is people bullshit. have to have balls enough to be like, one, I'm not getting punched in the face anymore by people who are on substances, and two, I'm willing to sit out until this shit is fixed. And the top people, even Conor McGregor, even those guys, have to take the stand and stand united with everyone. Yeah, there needs to be like an, a fighter lockout. <laughs> like, that's what needs to happen. Yeah, go get scabs. Good luck. <laughs> All right, now let's talk Holly Holmes. She just dropped her second straight fight. Um, and and I, I, kind, I kind of predicted this. I, I didn't predict Holly winning, but I said that points fighting shit. It's going to be a problem. You did. You did. Um, she lacked the aggressiveness. Once again, the same thing we saw why, when she caught the split decision, when, which concerned you heading into this one. The Rocky Pennington fight. Except she looked very, very slow. Yeah, she fought, a, she fought a true Muay Thai fighter. Like, and that's what I said. Like, people were discounting Shevchenko, but I'm like, yo, this girl could fight. And Holly's a really one-dimensional fighter. She's a kickboxer who uses range. Now, if somebody can compete with her range-wise, like Pennington did, who's not nearly as good as a kickboxer, well, they have a chance. And Shevchenko, you know, she lost the first round and then just took over the fight. Um, the speed was a clear difference. And just yeah. aggression. And you know what's frightening when you look at it? Holly was so much bigger than Shevchenko, too. Okay. And Shevchenko should be like a 125. But if they had the division, but she won. Now the division is even more of a revolving door because now the woman who beat Ronda Rousey has lost two in a row. Um, this division is in shambles. The but woman who beat the woman who beat Ronda Rousey has lost the it's, title. It's a it's it's a mess. And Ronda may never come back. That's that's the craziest shit. It's like Ronda may never come back. Like I don't even know. But it's it's styles make fights. You know, it's a, a, a can beat B, but and B can beat C, but C can't beat A. Like it's it's this weird cycle that we have going on, and it'll continue. You know, with like Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunez, probably will be the next fight now, unless Ronda um, decides to wake up. Which I hope she actually, I hope she doesn't right now. Like if she's gonna come, like if she comes back, I still want her to fight Holly Holm. Like I, I, I don't want her to fight anybody else. She no one still, wants her to fight anything, but she's getting an immediate title shot. And I think that, that's a damn shame. She's best buds with the boss. Yeah, it, it that's pays. a damn shame. <laughs> so, so that's that with Holly Holm. I mean, whatever. This weekend is UFC 201 in Atlanta. It's a, it's a card that we look at, and a lot of us go, we got to pay for this shit? But yes, you have to pay for it. It's a pay-per-view headline by the welterweight title between Robbie Lawler and Tyron Woodley. Um, I'm actually going to be at the bar, so I'm not paying for anything besides drinks. <laughs> <laughs> shout shout out to the people serving me blue moons this weekend as I uh you know tipsily tweet about the fight. So let let's give our predictions um so we can get out of here. Yeah, uh, uh main card, Ian McCall versus Justin Scoggins. I'm going Scoggins. 
I'm going Scoggins too, man. And I like Ian McCall, but he hasn't he has fought in a while. Scoggins has looked good in his recent fights. Um, I think Scoggins will not necessarily grind this one out, but he, I think he'll out-hustle Ian McCall to a decision. Uh, Francisco Rivera up next versus – oh, what, I had it in front of me. Rivera <laughs> Eric- versus Eric Perez. Um, a fight that I don't know why it's on a pay-per-view card. Well, Eric Perez is a uh, yeah. I mean, Eric Perez is. A, I like Eric Perez. You know, he's, he's has good, but he's not yeah. like a rising prospect. By I any mean, means. come on, look at the rest of the card. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's not a very heavy card. Masvidal at least could have been on there. Like, damn, him and Ross Pearson. Well, that should be fun. But yeah. FS two prelims, like, could have let them be on a pay per view card. Yeah, if for Rivera, this is a must win situation. He's lost his last two fights against Pickett and Lineker. Um, so for that reason, I'm picking Eric Perez. Uh, I think Eric Perez, because <laughs> as bad as you got to win it, you might try to win that shit too much. What a setup. Like, yo, this is a must-win fight. He's going to take the L. Yeah, I mean, you know, Perez lost to Brian Caraway, uh two Who fights. we've seen now take off. Right. And, you know, he's and I like Eric Perez. I, I, think he'll, I think he'll pull this one out. I'm going with Eric Perez, too. I think Rivera's on his way out, which is why it's weird as hell that he's on a pay-per-view card. <laughs> but nonetheless, next, uh, Matt Brown versus Jake Ellenberger, a fight that I think will probably win fight a night bonus. It very well could. Um, you know, it's two guys. I, it, it depends because, you know, Matt Brown likes to push the pace. Jake Ellenberger is a little bit more of a, a squat and throw type of guy uh, with a little bit of wrestling. Um, but I'm picking Matt Brown, the immortal. You know, he's, he's still a guy who's been rolling. Uh, Ellenberger, he's, on the, he's backsliding a little bit. It'll be a fun fight, but I think I'm picking Matt Brown. I think he's going to finish him. Ellenberger is such a nice guy, <laughs> and it pains me to know that he's going to get his face taken off in this fight. It's not. It's going to be bad. Second round KO by Matt Brown, and he's going to make it look ugly because yeah. Matt Brown to me can't beat the top four in the division, but he wrecks everyone else. Yes, he does, so and I'm, he does. I'm very quit. comfortable with that. Yeah, um, he's going to do Jake Ellenberger so dirty, but it's going to be you know a good fight for people who paid money to see stuff like that. So here goes your KO of the night. Uh, if not fight of the night, it's definitely the KO bonus. Mm, okay. uh, Rose up next versus Carolina. I'm not, well, I, Namajunas for Rose. I can't pronounce Carolina's <laughs> last name. Look, all right. So Carolina Car- K? Let's say it. How do you say her name? Koala Kids. Kwitz. So, <laughs> oh my god, this yeah. is why you get the big bucks, yeah. Like Rose Nama Yunus, Joanna getting J Chick. I finally got that one right, yeah. Uh, Nama Yunus and J Chick, Kala yo, I can't do it. Okay, so Carolina is in a fight with Rose, and Rose is the more seasoned fighter. She's looked more impressive against top t- competition than what, what she did to Paige Van Zant and what she did to Tisha Torres. For that reason, and the ever evolving skill of Rose, who I think will be a title contender, I'm picking Rose to win this fight. Um, I'm picking Rose too. Carolina, it's weird because I can see her winning, but skill skill wise, I can see her winning. But I think it's it's Rose's time to get that title shot, yeah. and I think it's her versus you know Joanna Champion next. I think Rose sees that in sight. She's not going to trip and stumble over it. Rose wins this by decision, though. It's going to be a really good fight. Uh, title fight: Robbie Lawler versus Tyron Woodley. All right, so I, this is my dilemma. As, as easy as it is for me to say Robbie Lawler is going to beat Tyron Woodley, I started looking at the history of what's been happening in the past year. Oh, my God, don't go with the same point as me. How'd you swagger jack <laughs> my point? And I didn't even know it. <laughs> because every huge underdog has come up big 
in the past year. <laughs> like Michael Bisping, like uh, Holly Holm. Yeah. You know, I Misha mean. Misha Tate. Misha Tate. Like, running down the list. <laughs> Stipe Miocic, a lot of people thought Fabricio Verdun was on his way to being the greatest heavyweight of all time. Um, who else is there? You know, I mean, it's, the, the list goes on. And, like, Conor McGregor was supposed to beat Nate Diaz. Everybody mm-hmm. thought that was going to be a wash on 10 days' notice. Oh, we just saw RDA get washed. Quick. RDA versus Eddie Alvarez. Quick. I mean, dude, it, I'm still picking Robbie. Okay. But the caveat is these underdogs, these, these underdogs of people are like, how the, why would the fuck would you pick Tyron Woodley? They keep doing it. They I, keep the I'm picking Tyron Woodley. And you know what? I don't even I, – I tell people all the time, I want to rank Tyron Woodley in my top five of that division. That being said, I'm picking him. Just for every reason you just said, I'm going to be the one. I'll stick my neck out there. I'm going to pick him to win this fight by decision. And he has to get he has to get him down. He has to get him down and wear on him. That's the only thing. And we've seen Robbie win stand-up brawls. So to be technical and back up my prediction technically, um, I, I think Woodley, if he can get him on the ground, and you know, we've seen Big Rig take him down. If Woodley can get inside the guard, take him down, and lay on him for three out of five rounds, he can win this fight, and I'm picking him to do just that. Okay. I'm and gonna not give... get his face knocked off in the process. <laughs> I'm going to give you my scenario. I'm not picking Woodley to win, but if Woodley's going to win, it's going to be by knockout. Oh, and, shit. And, he, and this is why it will happen. This will be the night that Robbie Lawler's wars finally catch up with him. And Tyron Woodley will be a little bit more prepared, and he'll okay. catch it with the right hand because... Robbie Lawler is expecting the wrestling Tyron Woodley to step into that octagon on Saturday night. Okay. Tyron is at least very, very fresh. He's had one <laughs> fight since August 2014. So one fight in the past two years, and he gets a title shot. Yo, so if, if anyone is fresh, he is fresh right now. Yeah, and, but that's, that's the only – like I don't see Tyron Woodley win, win a decision because – Robbie's going to expect what you just said out of Tyron. Not to say that Tyron can't do that to Robbie. I just think that Tyron, if Tyron comes in there and does something completely, like nobody picked Bisping to knock out Rockhold. Like, how the hell would you pick that? You got to catch somebody when they're slipping in their element. And I think Tyron will catch Robbie slipping in his element if he was to beat him. I'm not picking Robbie. I'm not that crazy. I just can't see it. But if I'm wrong again, God damn it, this is going to be ridiculous. And listen, I, I've been saying this whole time. Robbie was going to destroy him. Robbie's going to destroy him. And my eyes say Robbie should destroy him, knock him out one or two rounds. I've seen Tyron been be knocked out before. Robbie has those type of skills. Um, with that being said, just the craziness and the madness of 2016 with the UFC, I'm picking upset. We just saw Misha get knocked out. Everybody's been getting knocked out. So Who's insane, supposed to man. win? I'm taking Woodley, and it's fucking crazy. It's too hard to figure these things out. Like, I just, I keep looking at the, like, I kept looking. And I wrote a piece on Holly Holm and, and Sheridog where, and real quick before we get out of here, because I just kind of mentioned that everybody that loses the title doesn't get back into the title picture. Historically speaking, it just doesn't happen. You lose the title and then you lose one of your next two fights. In a very rare occasion that you win them both, you find your way back in. But if you run down the list of everybody who's lost over recent years, like, do your homework, kids. Go home and look at how many people have won back the title after they lost it. Very few. And, and usually it happens after long title runs. I can only expect, off the top of my head, Kane, only one? Kane, Randy Couture. Um, and that's not even recent. 
You don't know, no, that's not recent. Like, uh, recently, nobody does. No, no one. Kane like, is the most recent George I Saint, can think of. Right, and George St. Pierre, when he won it back from Matt Serra after the big upset. Correct. But everybody else, you look at Johnny Hendricks, you see what happened to him. You look at Anthony Pettis, you see what happened to him. Benson Henderson's not even with the company anymore. You see what happened to him. Like, you just kind of, Anderson Silva, Chris Weidman, Luke Rockhold, they all end up losing and then they lose, they usually lose one of their two, the next two fights. It's a weird thing. And Holly did the same thing. She lost to Ronda. I mean, she beat Ronda, lost to Misha, and on the comeback trail, lost to Valentino Shevchenko. So in Robbie Lawler's case, because he's supposed to be the dominant champion, it might be his time to lose. And it's just the weird elements that happen in the UFC. Well, if he doesn't lose now, Wonder Boy is waiting. <laughs> oh, well, like I said, Wonder Boy's going to knock his head off at that fight. <laughs> so, Truly will. All right, that's our show for today. Everyone, thanks for listening. Remember, check out Las Vegas Fight Shop in the Planet Hollywood Hotel and Casino here in Las Vegas. If you guys are in town coming up, especially if you're hanging out for 202 weekend, say what's up to all of us. Reverse Rat Pack will be here. We're actually going to do a, a show with all of us on it, which should be very cool. And a lot of goddamn hell stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so thank you guys for joining us. Follow us on social media. At the corner, LSN on everything. I'm at Kel Dansby on all platforms. Yes, Andreas Hill. Find me or not. I don't care. <laughs> Make sure you guys check us out next weekend. We're talking a lot of wrestling again and prepping for a very busy August. So until then, we're out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.